0: Well good morning and uh, thank you for joining us at this adjusted service of uh, International Church of Prague. We want to thank all of you for joining us and a special thanks to our AV team for setting all of this up at a different location this week. We're also adjusted because uh, our music team has been beset by illness uh, not corona but just different various and sundry illnesses so we've not we won't be providing musical worship this morning so We've adjusted to a very different format, and I'll explain that in just a moment. Before we do, uh, I want to mention this, that Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.15 that the church is the household of God, it is the church of the living God, it is the pillar and support of the truth. Uh, The household of God describes us as God's family and how we relate to one another, and that's sort of changed in these days with... But thankfully, we have technology and smaller groups and relationships. We can continue that. The Church of the Living God describes our relationship to God. We belong to Him and worship Him. And we can do that at home. We can do that as we gather. We can do that with friends. And the pillar and support of the truth describes our relationship to the world. We have something to say to a world that is watching us. And so this is uh, a crisis, the pandemic, but it is also an opportunity for us. So our prayer today is that you will be encouraged Uh, to worship, to fellowship, and to boldly declare the truth of the gospel and who Jesus is. So as I've mentioned, our format is adjusted a bit. Uh, Drew Stevens, our pastor, is away in the States, in the U.S., with his family for uh, what was going to be a short time, maybe longer. But uh, we will look forward to Drew's return. In his absence, we had asked Scott Mills to preach today. And with the changes that we're facing, not only with the the virus and uh, diminished worship, uh, crowd sizes, not because Scott is preaching, manage <laughs> crowd sizes by order of the government. Um, <clears throat> but um, uh, we decided to go to a format that would be more conversational. Our desire, one, one reason we wanted to do this was to in, in some way maybe show you a model of what it may be like simply to be at your home and discussing the Word of God together with friends. So, Scott and I will be discussing a passage today that he was planning to preach from, and I uh, hope that will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. So uh, Scott, I'm gonna turn it to you, let me pray, and then I will turn it to you and, and we'll move forward. So Father, thank you again for your goodness to us, even in the midst of crisis, you are not in crisis, you are not surprised, you were not fazed, uh, you are full of mercy and compassion and you are sovereign and we gladly acknowledge that and pray that you will help us to not be overcome with fear, uh, but to trust you, to be worshipful, bold, to be faithful with what you ask of your people in this opportunity. We really uh, don't know what to do. Day by day, things are changing so rapidly. So we struggle to know what to do. We pray you'll give us wisdom and boldness. This, to, to simply be faithful to you day by day. I pray, Father, for all who are listening today, that, that this format, that this time together will be a blessing from you to each of our hearts. And We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Scott, Welcome.
1: Thank you yeah I'm, I'm excited to do it this way it's, it's obviously very different, um, but these are different times and extraordinary times and um, one of the big goals we talked about this week as we changed kind of the passage we were going to teach through I was going to teach through was how will this look over the next several weeks that I mean life is obviously going to look very different um, for many of us the way we interact with others and obviously we can't gather for a time of worship um, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be living lives of worship and so We're going to look at a passage today uh, in Genesis 22 where the first time the word worship is used in Scripture. Um, But it's obviously a little different. We're going to just sit and chat. And, you know, nobody needs to adjust their screens. We really are this handsome. This is really (laughs) what it looks like. Um, So you can just think about this as two two handsome guys having a conversation that you guys are joining in with us on. So we'll
0: use our (laughs) imaginations.
1: Maybe for you, but I mean... If nothing else, if, if, if our context is boring, at least you have something nice to look at. So that, that's <laughs> the goal for here. Um, but I'm looking forward to this passage because it is, it's an incredible passage where we, you could talk about a lot. I mean, Genesis 22 is one of the greatest passages in Scripture this moment with Abraham... Having to wrestle with the sacrifice of Isaac, but um, and there's a lot we could talk about, but there's a, there's an important moment of worship in here that I wanted to focus on, um, really, because originally I was going to teach through um, John 21, uh, but it just wasn't fitting for this type of setting. And the more I thought, the more I prepared this week, I thought, you know, if we're going to be in our homes, if if worship, at least corporate worship, is going to look very different over the next couple of weeks then how can this look different in our lives? And maybe it should. Really, I'm hoping and praying that through this passage it should affect our future work, corporate worship time, that it will look different um, the way at least our hearts and attitudes are with it. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'll read the passage, okay. um, Genesis 22, in, in its entirety, and then um, you and I can just kind of talk through it together. Sounds good. All right. Beginning in verse 1 of Genesis 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose, and he went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by the thorn, by by its horns. And Abraham went out and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of God called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his, his young men, and they rose and went uh, together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Okay. Now, there's a, a lot going on in this passage sure. that we talk about. Um, but, you know, one of the things, obviously, we want to focus on this morning is this incredible act of worship. And I want to, I'm going to read a little quote by Charles Stanley. Um, it said these words, Most Christians and most churches have never worshipped God. We go to church, but we don't worship. We sing songs, but we don't worship. We listen to sermons, but we don't worship. All of these things may be elements of worship, but they are not worship in and of themselves, which means that you can do all of them and yet have failed to truly worship God. We Christians often make mistakes, make the mistake that the means of worship are worship itself. And I think that's what I wanted to kind of really see in this passage somewhat this morning is we have this incredible moment um, where God comes to Abraham and asks him to do something unimaginable. I mean, this is his son. Even God reminds him, you know, your beloved, your only son. Now we know Abraham does have another son, but this is the promised son. This is, you know, his beloved son, Isaac, that God had promised that all nations would be blessed through him, that he expected him, his, his offsprings to come through this. Um, and he, he tells Abraham that I want you to take your son and kill him. And so there is this moment that worship begins with a revelation that God reveals himself to Abraham. That The only reason why God could even ask Abraham this is because he had this relationship with him. And, um, you know, I, if if God would have shown up at the beginning when he first met Abraham in the land of the Chaldeans, if he would have shown up and said, Abraham, you're going to have a son and I want you to kill him. I don't know how far that relationship would have gotten, mm-hmm. but at this point Abraham has walked with the Lord and he's seen God's faithfulness. In his old age, he had Isaac, um, this promised son, and so God comes to him and now tells him he has to sacrifice him. And so, you know, kind of the first question I wanted to talk about this morning is how do you see, you know, the role of Scripture playing in worship? What what is that role? Does it even have a role?
0: Oh. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I would say it's crucial. And, you know, by that you're saying because God approached Abraham, this wasn't Abraham's idea, but it was, he, he wasn't trying to impress God, get God's attention, but this is the initiative for this started with God. Yeah, and for me, you know, I see that playing out with scripture. I mean, as Jesus said, you know, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So I think God's truth has to guide everything that we do in worship. It also tells us who we worship that um, God's His words are life to us that enable us to worship. So, yeah, I mean, without, without the word in some way, yeah. it's impossible.
1: Yeah. Say. yeah, and it's really it can be very difficult because often I, I mean, I can remember even hearing I've had friends say in the past, you know, well, my God wouldn't do that. And, you know, and I hate that phrase because um, one, it may be true that whatever God you've made up in your mind might not do that. But the God okay. of Scripture is very different. And if we're not careful uh, when we come to worship, that we may not be worshiping God at all. We may be worshiping this image that we've created, really this golden calf, mm. because maybe God is too scary. Maybe God um, does things that we don't understand. Maybe he's greater than we can imagine. So we soften him, we reform him, and we make him something that's easier to handle. And yeah. But he's not the God of the universe. And you know the amazing thing about Scripture and the importance of it is... If, if we're not careful, the God we worship will not be the God of the universe. And that, that God has chosen how to reveal himself. We don't get to choose who he is. We don't get to tell him, right. hey, this is no, this is the way you should act. That He's revealing himself to us.
0: Yeah, we don't come to him on our terms, but on his. He, right. is, he is God. How, how do you see people, I guess, making God in their own image these days? What, how do we do that, like, even with the crisis, the, the corona thing right now? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think this plays out. There's obviously one way it plays out that people just have a false god that they worship. That you know, whether it's they've they're starting to realize that they've put in their their trust and hope in governments to save them, or medicine, or um, their own personal health. Um, and then so you have those false gods. But I think even in believers, we often don't see that we can recreate God in our own image. That This is the question, I think, at this moment where we ask, do we believe God is in control? Mm. That scripture clearly says that he is, that there is nothing beyond him. And then when we, and I think often when suffering happens is when people struggle with this question. They, they look at um, people and you'll, you'll hear, I mean, this is a strong argument from atheists or at least in their mind, very strong, that if God is all good and all powerful, then how can there be suffering? It's it's just not right. There shouldn't be suffering in the world. But that's not what we see in Scripture, that we see that we live in a fallen world. And in fact, we see the opposite actually taught from Scripture, that suffering is going to come, that we're promised it. But we're given this hope that God has overcome that, that Christ ultimately has overcome the world. And if we're not careful, um, we'll see something like a pandemic or we'll we'll allow our lives to be driven by fear rather than peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beauty of God's revelation, knowing that he's in control is no matter what happens around us, no matter how crazy the world seems, that God is firmly seated on his throne. And, you know, it reminds me of um, the beginning of Isaiah, you know, uh, uh, it's, uh, I think it's Isaiah 6 where he says, in the year King Uzziah died uh, is the way Isaiah begins to write the chapter. And it, it's a very... It's a very big statement that he says because, Mm -hmm. you know, in those ancient days when a king would die, there was great uncertainty because nations Mm -hmm. knew you were now vulnerable. There was a power vacuum. Families would fight over the throne. You know, there it'd be a scary time uh, because when a king died, there was a chance that somebody would overrun you. They'd kill your wife and family or kill you and steal your wife and family, take everything you own. So and so he's talking about a very tumultuous very tumultuous, yeah. tumultuous yeah. moment yeah. Yeah. and in that moment he says in the year King Uzziah died I saw the king firmly seated on his throne mm. which is really where we should be as believers in our worship that as the world goes crazy the, the king is firmly seated on his throne but if we don't understand God if we don't see how he's revealed himself that doesn't that statement doesn't ring true in our lives right. because we don't understand how could God be in control yet there be craziness around us and i mean i would kind of pose that question to you if you know somebody sat down and asked you that how can god be in control when there are people dying from a pandemic or when and it's not you know the, the virus doesn't care who you are or where mm-hmm. you're from it, it does not discern that or if, if you have money or if you don't have money it doesn't care i mean how can you say god is in control when things seem out of sorts
0: yeah i mean for me it's again looking at scripture itself, that it does present to us a God who is in control and not phased by these kinds of things, and a God who's created us for a relationship with Himself, God who is ultimately going to bring everything to a good end. So like you said a minute ago, you know, I, yeah, I confess these things aren't right, and yet God is good and He is powerful, and that'll be visible and evident one day. For now, no. we trust what His Word says, and value Him and, and treasure Him. I guess more than life and health and stability and everything. Uh, you know, as you as you're talking a minute ago, it's like even in worship, as He asked from Abraham what Abraham treasured, it's almost like we are losing some of those things we treasure now. Mm. You know, we're and I think for me, ultimately, it allows me to. To not protest at that, but to, I guess, have a different posture. One, first of worship, and then to be what he wants me to be in that situation. Rather than saying, oh, God, why? It's more like not why, but why, I guess, if that makes sense. Something like that.
1: Yeah, and it's often, I don't want to say it's cheap, but maybe that's the best way to say that. It's easy to say, you know, I believe certain things about God. It's another thing to live a life that proves it. And that's what, you know, in this, that's why revelation is so important because it, once we truly believe a God, our lives will begin to reflect it. His, his character I mean, we, we naturally begin to look like the things that we worship. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was studying this week, I read a story um, by a guy named James Michener, wrote a book um, called um, "The Servant." And in it he's talking about these ancient days of, of idol worship, and um, he tells the story of this, this farming family who had a young son, and um, they worship a, a god of war and a god of of fertility. And so they were being called into this time of worship service, this corporate time as a family. And um, they go to this, This I, the only way to describe it is worship of these false gods. And their family's called on for two parts. One, they have to sacrifice their son. And two, then the husband is going to spend the weekend with the new temple prostitute inside the temple. And um, he tells the story from the perspective of the wife watching the husband first agonize over giving up his son but then changing with almost a joy for being chosen for the fertility worship. Um, and at the end, of the story he said that the wife, as she walked away from this, said that he would be a different man if he had different gods. Mm. And, you know, it was just a, as I was reading the story, it was just a reminder that we really do reflect what we worship and that's why we have to be careful that the God we worship is the God who's revealed himself. Because if not, we're gonna worship the God we've created in our mind. and. Mm-hmm. And the God we worship now is the God, just like you said, we can take peace yeah. in these moments because that's why he's revealed himself.
0: makes me think of Psalm, I think it's Psalm 135, but it says, um, you know, that the, the gods of the nations, they're, they're false. You know, they have eyes, but they don't see, ears, but they don't hear. And, you know, it goes through the list of things and it says those who make them will become like them, hmm. you know, blind and deaf, you know, spiritually blind and deaf and, and eventually just cut off. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very true.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, that's why I wanted to definitely start this morning when we're talking about worship. Um, it's it's the most important thing is that it's grounded in God's word. It's mm-hmm. not our ideas of him. And even when it's difficult, I, I think we should take joy and peace when there are difficult passages in Scripture. And because the God we serve was not created in our mind. He's not he wasn't a he wasn't a creation of man. He created man. And so there should be things and aspects out of of him that we struggle with, that we just can't comprehend. That that actually is more proof of his existence than it is of our struggle. I think, in a lot of ways, Um, but but I I always want to say that worship begins with revelation. It begins with God, and if we're not careful, we'll we'll worship a false God. And so I think that's what we see at the beginning of this passage that God comes to Abraham, He reveals Himself, and then then Abraham can then now go and say, I'm going to go worship, and um, which kind of moves us into the second part of the passage. (laughs) He he then begins to prepare. And, you know, in verse 3, we see he's, he's saddling the donkey, he's cutting the wood, he's putting the wood on the donkey, and he's, he's gets some of his servants together, and he's going to go to the place of worship. Um, and as we look at this passage, we see some preparation. And I think this is one of the most often overlooked portion of worship. I think we take for granted that we can just show up and worship, even, even if it's an individual worship time or a family worship time or a church service. Um... We, we act like, well, you know, we'll, we'll let all these people get ready for us. And, you know, and if this was a big corporate worship setting, we would say, okay, the band's going to play. That'll start getting my heart ready. And, you know, then we'll have some prayer time. And then the message will go. And hopefully all these things are good, because if they're not, then I can't really worship, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about that problem in a minute. Uh, but even in our own individual times, we don't, we don't often prepare. And it's, it's, it's ironic to me because we prepare for everything in our lives. I mean... To, to look this good, I had to prepare this morning to get ready. You know, I brushed my teeth. A while. <laughs> it took me out. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I had to brush my teeth. I had to brush my hair. I took a shower. I, you know, made sure I was clean. I put on clean clothes. I walked down here. There's preparation. And there's preparation for everything we do. We, I mean, if you think about it, for your job, um, you spend mm-hmm. 10 to 20 years in school to prepare for a career mm-hmm. that will end when you die. Not that it's not important, but we spend a lot of time preparing for it. But we often forget the fact that we need to prepare for the fact that we're going to walk into the presence of the King of kings and Lord mm-hmm. of lords. And we have direct access. And so, I mean, I'm just curious, when you think about preparation for worship, what does that bring to your mind? Yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, for me, it, it begins, you know, in the morning. I mean, and it's a daily habit for me. I mean, I'm not always consistent, but desire to be just starting with the word and prayer and reading scr- scripture prayerfully and praying for, for people. If it's like, if you're asking like about a Sunday morning, how I might prepare, it's mm-hmm. going to be much the same as I do every morning, starting a day in the word and prayer, but praying, especially about, um, you know, corporate worship together. And even if our small group is meeting something like that, you know, yeah, my thoughts are on that. I'll pray for who, maybe whoever's leading in that particular time. And that kind can of think, but also wanting to, um, be in the right frame of mind, um, as I worship, um, especially because sometimes i'm I'm in front of people kind of like this morning, in front of you know virtual people, and uh, Virgil, our newest member, and uh <laughs> you know so I want to be sure i'm not inserting myself you know in a way that is distracting from the gospel from Jesus, so just it's heart preparation for me is a lot of that yeah How about yourself?
1: yeah, I think it's similar i, I I realize that, I mean, often I come to even my own personal preparation time, you know, my own time in the Word, is I typically, you know, will, will spend, I've got a devotional that I'll go through, and it changes throughout the years, you know, sometimes it's reading the Bible through the year, sometimes it's, you know, I've gone through where you read the Bible in 90 days, so it's a lot more reading, and, you know, and then there's more prayer time, there's all these different ways to do it. But one of the things that I really try and focus on, and this was a good reminder even this week, was to not just come flippantly to the, even that time yeah. to not just sit down and open the word and like, all right, I, I got to get through this today. Or, you know, I, I'm supposed to pray. So let me just talk to God for a little bit and then move on with my life, but really yeah. try to, to take a moment and, and realize what's happening that, that I'm, I'm entering in, in worship. I'm entering into the presence of the Lord. i I know I'm always with him, but there's, there's a there's a change for worship i mean worship in itself is assigning worth to something that's mm-hmm. that's what it is at its core and you know praise is when you is when you you elevate what something somebody does so when we're in praise we're we're talking about the things that god has done but in worship we're we're worshiping who he is it's not what he's done it's it's him mm-hmm. and i think sometimes i i mean if i'm being honest i i do it very flippantly i just Sit down, and I go through the motions at times. And it was just a great reminder this week to to check my heart and to really sit down and remember who I'm speaking to, uh, and the time that I the incredible privilege to be able to to just sit at the feet of Jesus and learn and to to read His revelation to to understand Him better. And that would just cause me to worship more instead of coming at it lighthearted. And I really don't do well. I think preparing for corporate worship. I don't. I think I just. And often it's it's a stressful morning. I don't. I think our enemy knows very well. Oh, sure. Wants to he wants to distract during that time, and so you're you know you're always running around. There's always somebody late. There's always something that goes wrong. It feels yeah. that way.
0: Sanctification is tested, especially family. With, I know when our children were home and smaller. We have four kids, and yeah, the, <clears throat> we're smiling by choice by the time we. <laughs> by so the <laughs> The, the distance between, you know, the journey from home to church was more one of repentance. Of, <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: It always <laughs> seems that way.
0: Yeah. Instead so of it,
1: that moment, you know, as a family to be able to yeah. prepare in your heart. Because yeah. corporate worship, worship, I think, is unique and special. Sure. And so There's a reason why we gather. And obviously we can't do that right now. But um, I think it's just a good reminder to see Abraham prepared for this moment of worship. He didn't yeah. just get up and go. Yeah. I think God is is showing us that there is this preparation of our hearts and our minds before we come to him. And and there is, you know, and I don't know where that line is or how we do it. There's there's the opportunity where we're always with the Lord. We're always walking with him. He's always with us, which is an incredible moment. You know, I'm a very visual person. And so I often picture, you know, as I wake up in the morning, the Lord's just standing there waiting You know with a cup of coffee it's like i've been waiting all night for you to wake up i want to spend and to me it's overwhelming to think that we serve a god that would want to spend time with Mm -hmm. us that way that he's in anticipation of that moment and i just flippantly go about my day and lose sight of this moment to to really worship to assign the worth that he is due um and i think it does go into that even before corporate worship or individual worship taking a moment to take a breath sit back and say what am i doing and a reminder And, he, and I think we need to make it a daily habit, not just for our corporate time, but I think it would change our corporate worship services as well if we would come prepared, that our sure. hearts are prepared. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be about the music then, it wouldn't be about the message. And I think what we often get, we're short-sighted in corporate worship is we, we make it about the performance and we forget that we're not an audience corporately. God is the audience yeah. and we shouldn't be worrying about well, that sermon wasn't that great. I saw Scott stand up, and oh, great! Uh, you know, it shouldn't have come this morning, um, or you know, the music seemed off, or whatever. We're losing sight of because I think because we haven't prepared our heart. Yeah, we come into it. No one can we say
0: the music this morning was
1: off. That's true. I mean, That's uh, true. but we'll hear how bad the message was. Well, later may
0: on. that may be. Yeah, <laughs> but at
1: least they'll say it was really handsome. It was nice Indeed. to look at him. So, well,
0: you know, I mean, I talk about how I prepare, but honestly, you know. Sometimes that's, for me, is checking a thing off a list, which mm-hmm. I find great joy in, you know, feeling the, yeah. <laughs> the sense of a task completed. And there have been more times than I would care to admit. I'll, you know, I'll read and come to the end of that and not even remember, not even engage. I try to pray, you know, Lord, just open my eyes to what you have for me this morning. Give me something that, you know, that I'll hold on to. But um, the consistency can often become a, a rote and routine. And that's yeah. something I personally fight. Yeah. Just keeping that, that consistency and routines are good, but rote just yeah. isn't. It's, it can be
1: deadly. So. That's true, and especially in our, in our walks with the Lord and yeah. in our worship. That, you know Because we are often creatures consistently. We don't like change in general. Mm-hmm. We try and I think most of humanity would agree with that. <clears throat> but it can be very dangerous in our, you know, the way if we give. I mean we should give consistently but if it's just some part of what we do we just throw some money in the bucket then yeah. is that really worship if we sing songs is that really worship if we're yeah. you know if we're just reading the bible because we're supposed to read the bible every day that it it becomes just a routine that we're doing rather than an act of worship to, yeah. to know the lord and so i yeah i I think what I love about this passage is, you know, you have this building of this worship that God reveals himself so Abraham knows God, wants to worship him, even with this horrible task that he's been asked to do. And then he moves into this part where he begins to prepare for this act of worship. But then we see in the next few verses, 4 and 5, that he actually separates himself from the servants. And I think there's a very intentional reason why he does it. Um, I think, you know, the passage doesn't tell us, but I, I would imagine that, If the servants saw what was about to happen they would probably have tried to stop abraham that's just my logical thinking of it i can't imagine them seeing abraham tie up isaac and think that he was in his right mind um and so there you know we see this moment where abraham separates himself from servant. he keeps him there he says this incredible you know statement that we will go up there and we will return so you know obviously we could talk for days about this passage but you know, what I wanted to focus on really for worship was the fact that he separated himself. And I think there is an aspect of worship of separation, not, not only for God, but for our, and I'm not talking about separating from sin. That Obviously that should be a part where we're trying to get our hearts right before the Lord. There's that confession and, and being separated. But, you know, when you think about getting, being separated for worship, what does that make you think of? Or?
0: Um, I think it at least to me, maybe the idea of focus, engagement, uh, maybe dedication. I think of even the word "holy," meaning you know, separate or set apart. I think it's maybe it's an intentionality. I guess to to focus on on the Lord rather than circumstances or what else is on the list for that day or anything, but a maybe a a resolve at, to um, just to yeah, engage in worship. Realize this is a sober and serious and good and joyful thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I mean, I think you—you you said at the opening when we were talking before it began that, you know, that to being careful in worship to to not be a distraction for others, mm-hmm. uh, I think is big. I mean, yeah. you know, and it's 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 this interesting. I think in corporate worship, is i don't want to say it's a tightrope, but it's this interesting kind of tightrope that we walk on. That you want to be engaged in worship, you want to you want to be able to enjoy that time of worship, but you want to be careful that person next to you can't enjoy worship because they're so focused on you and Mm -hmm. there is this you know we want to be careful that we don't become this the distraction to somebody else's worship but I think especially in these days where we're having to maybe be at home I think this can be very important to think through what are the things that distract us from worship and how can we separate ourselves from them and you know I you know my I, I use my wife as a great example you know she She's an early riser, and she loves it because she can get up before everybody else, and there's no distractions. that You know, she has, and it's funny, she has her routine. She knows exactly where she's going to sit. She has her, you know, her quiet time, almost like gift bag set up. She knows where she goes to. She has all the different things she needs. She has her cup of coffee. She has, you know, her, her Bible study that she's going to do. She's got her little lap desk. I mean, she, she knows what she's going to do um, for it, and she's, it's in that she does it because it's, she's separating things that would distract her from that time of worship and mm-hmm. you know I think often especially as we're going to have to spend time in our own homes and we're going to have to worship from um, maybe something where we're not together corporately it's good to think through how do we separate the things that would distract us because mm-hmm. I know for me personally my mind can wander very easily if I'm, sure. not, if I'm not careful and, it, and it's not to sinful things necessarily it's just you know, if I'm not careful, I'll catch myself. I could be watching this message and be thinking about, oh yeah, there's some things I need to get done this week and my mind just goes off or there could be something that catches my eye. And so I think we need to be careful that that we don't allow things to distract us, to, to separate those yeah. things during our time of worship.
0: And I do think it's probably more easily to, easy to, probably easier to be distracted at home with a smaller group of people you know well. I'm more likely to pull out the phone and Quote multitask while something else is going on. Yeah. You know, I, I pretend I've got my Bible app open, but you know I'm really I'm following. <laughs> so never and So when we
1: together, yeah. I need to really look at what you're on. Your phone. <clears throat> no comment.
0: <laughs> you know. So yeah. Um. But yeah, just the relaxed atmosphere. I think. Um, yeah, I think you have to be more intentional. I will sometimes will have either piece of paper or, or with my phone I, if I'm alone. Uh, things come to my mind that are a distraction, I try to either paper phone or somewhere just note them and think, okay, that's taken care of. I can uh-huh. put that out of my mind for now. And because I, I do, I always face a lot of distractions. Yeah. So it's just, I think, difficult to focus on the Lord. I think we have an enemy that mm-hmm. would like to distract us, not necessarily with bad things, but with with good things, but yeah. lesser things.
1: Yeah. yeah. So and I think just realize, knowing that, yeah, then we can put some things into effect into our lives to Like, just, you know, I think that's a great, um, you know, suggestion to make, to just have a piece of paper next to you when your mind begins to wander to write down the thought and move away from it. So, you know, you can come back to it.
0: That's helped me personally. Yeah. yeah.
1: Because I think that, you know, you see this building in this passage of obviously this incredible moment that I, I... That the worship, the act of worship is what we're building towards. But we see this revelation from God. We see this preparation. We see this separation where he's beginning to separate. And then you you even said the word that he is dedicated to it. There is this dedication to Mm -hmm. fulfill what's about to happen. Um, Because I think often we don't realize that true worship often costs us something. That it's easy to say I worship with my mouth. It's another thing to actually live a life of worship because worship, true worship does cost us. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I mean, it, our lives should look different um, to the world. I mean, we should be more generous people. We should spend the time to do it. And we, I mean, we see this, at Abraham it's in, in you know, six through 10, he talks about that he dedicated Isaac to God, mm-hmm. that he, I mean, he, he is fully entrusting his most precious thing in his life, God that he was trusting God would know what to do with with Isaac and I think we we often either take for granted or don't realize that true worship is costly and so you know when you when you think about worship in your life what do you, what do you think about things that it has cost you to really worship
0: um, in terms of a you know a routine or a habit of worship of course there there is time you know um, Time and effort, you know, those are the things that um, that immediately come to mind. But you know, out of worship comes choices that we make that could cost uh, jobs. You know, you're, if you're choosing to spend time worshiping, you're not doing something else. You know, so um, and there is that element, as as we see in this passage, that in giving up something. And I'm often, you know, just struck by the things that, that I guess devotion to things can creep into my heart as well. So worship for me is a good way of recalibrating or something to say, you know, uh, there's, I'm blessed with, you know, so much in this life mm. and yet, you know, I have to distance my heart from those things. Yeah. You know, like my books, you know, just, <laughs> okay, they won't last forever, just put those aside. That Autographed copy of Knowing God, you know, just cherish that one, but, no, no, that you know, that's all temporal. I can't, I can't, be too attached to anything in this life. And even thinking of relationships, and you know, like all of our children are stateside now. And, and I guess for me, worship in a way is committing them to the Lord as well, and not, you know, trying to help guide them through, but not putting them in the place of God as well. Yeah. So, how about with you? What's that look like? Yeah, it's
1: actually made me think of. Um, I had a roommate in college that we'd talk about this whenever you know, we could tell something was beginning to captivate our hearts rather than the Lord. You know, we would remind each other by saying, it's going to burn. Mm. You know, when you were talking about your books, it made me think yeah. of it just to be able to say, don't forget, it's, it's all going to burn. Yeah. And so when our well, hearts... That's run, why
0: I've got a Kindle now. You know, it's all in the clouds. So. <laughs> that's right. With a cloud, <laughs> survive, journal, friend. Yeah. survive.
1: Um, you know, and it's just thinking through that this, these things that begin to distract us and take us away from... From true worship and and true worship is costly because it, it does take time but it also got in worship like you were saying changes our heart the things that we value um, we we begin to give up things that maybe that aren't bad right you know and everything that God gives us is good but we just see it in a different perspective through worship and I think that's why often our hearts are captivated by things because we're allowing them to become our idols, whether we see it or not. We're, we're beginning to worship these things, whether it's security or money or, you know, whatever it might be, family, whatever mm-hmm. it might be, that we allow our hearts to begin to assign a worth to those. And it's not because those things are bad in, in and of themselves. But the reason why the Lord is jealous for his worship is because he, only he is worthy yeah. of our worship. And so if we're not careful, you know, we'll, we'll come to God very cheaply. You know, we'll we'll have a worship that costs us nothing. Basically, we'll you know we'll gather when it's convenient. We'll we'll have a quiet time when I have time for it. Mm. You know, when when it doesn't get in the way of my normal life. We'll give generously as long as I have extra. You know, I'm not going to really give out of a need. I'm just going to give out of an abundance if I have it. If the Lord chooses right. to give me, and we'll basically we'll become a life of of convenient worship rather than costly worship. Mm. And, you know, this incredible moment when David has offered the field from, um, his name escapes me, when he...
0: Said, oh, but eat them?
1: Yeah, eat That's right. And, you know... And, think, I'm not sure. And, anyway. You know, they, they have a fascinating interchange between yeah. the two of them. But hey, David clearly says, "I, you know, I will not bring anything to the Lord that has cost me yeah. nothing. And I think that's what we need to think through in our worship, is that it does cost us. And it should, because he's worthy of it. It's okay to to say, you know what, I'm going to give up. I'm, maybe I'm going to get up a little earlier in the morning to spend time with the Lord. That costs me precious sleep, which changes the way I live. Maybe I go to bed earlier. Or maybe I don't mm-hmm. stay up watching Netflix or whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, in, in, a, in a worship that basically we're saying he is worthy of those costs. And I think yeah. what's amazing in God's economy is those costs pale in comparison oh, sure. of the returns. Sure. But we just don't, we don't see it in the moment. We get... Because of all the things, we don't have a true revelation of who God is because we haven't prepared our hearts and because we haven't Mm. separated things of this world. We don't see, we don't, I mean, this was, this for Abraham was going to be a huge costly thing to do. I mean, incredible costly thing, but he was willing to do it because he knew the God he served. And, you know, ultimately he had a faith that God was going to take care of this situation. And, and so it, I think we need to come to a place where worship is not just convenient but it's worth the cost.
0: And I marvel at how Abraham has grown in his faith, just knowing more of the story of his life. You know, here's a guy who, you know, travels with his wife, lies about her to basically protect himself, and yet here he is now at a place where he entrusts that most precious relationship to the Lord's amazing growth in faith. Yeah,
1: Yeah, one of the examples I read this week was... um, um, by a sculptor named Bertoldo, some some Italian. Some, name. some, some yeah. Anyways, his, well, name was not so it yeah. <laughs> his name is not famous, so it doesn't matter. His name is not famous, but he was he was the apprentice of Donatello, Okay. Uh, very some famous. One of the Ninja Italian. Turtles, right? One of the Ninja Turtles. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, but he was the one who actually was the teacher of Michelangelo, okay. you know, probably the world's greatest sculptor. Um, and it was interesting. I was reading a story about him this week, and it said there was a moment when Michelangelo was young. He came to him when he was 13. He recognized he was very gifted um, and so he began to teach him you know, as an apprentice and one day he came into i don't, I don't know what they would call it, an italian studio or whatever it is and I'd Mike- say
0: studio <laughs> studio yeah, studio but you just do this <laughs> yeah
1: do that and um he saw michelangelo working on basically a piece that was well below his talent level and when Bartotello saw this he came running in he smashed the piece and he said michelangelo talent is cheap but dedication is costly. Hmm. And I, as I read that, I thought, you know, that's really the picture of worship, that, you know, saying I worship the Lord is cheap, but living a life that proves I worship the Lord hmm. can be very costly, but it's well worth it. Hmm. Um, and so we see that kind of play out in this passage, but um, it doesn't end there. I think okay. probably my, my favorite part of the passage is kind of as it wraps up. You know, we see 11 through 19, Um, you know, Abraham, obviously we see God's provision. Mm -hmm. We see this incredible act of worship. We see the angel come and say, speak to him now. I know you fear me because you are willing to sacrifice your one and only son. Um, But at the end, in verse 19, he says that he left that place and he went back to Beersheba. You know, went through there. And the scripture doesn't tell us exactly what he does with this story. Um, You know, it doesn't tell us verbatim that he went back and told everybody about this. But the fact that it's recorded in Scripture is a pretty good indication that he told somebody. Somebody told was, somebody. That's right, right. Yeah. because he was the only one on the mountain. Either he or Isaac were proclaiming rec- this. Right. And I think that's from this, you know, as we kind of wrap up, those were my thoughts on this was that true worship leads to proclamation. Okay. I mean, because we, we speak about the things that we're passionate about we love. There's a reason why, you know, if you meet a new grandparent or a new parent, You know, they whip out their phone immediately and they're showing you all their pictures of their babies and grandbabies. And it makes sense that they're they're passionate about that doesn't mean that's that's what they're worshiping about. But that's what they are. That's what they're so excited about. They want to talk about. They want to they want you to hear about it because and it's not it's not weird to them to do that. It's it's natural because they're excited about it. And true worship should lead us to that kind of life. Hmm. It shouldn't be that. You know, in, in its core, the gospel is an incredible... We, I think we often overcomplicate the gospel. You know, we, we do a lot of training on it. We try and tell people about it. But the gospel at its core is a very simple message that, you know, is this beautiful picture of that we are separated from God, that God is holy and perfect, and we are not. And yet God desires a relationship with us. And the only way to bridge that gap between God's holiness and our sinfulness is that if somebody pays the price either we have to pay the price for the sin because god clearly says if you sin you will die you will be separated from god god and sin are like oil and water they don't mix they can't be together and so there's a problem with humanity and we are separated from god yet god in his great love why we're his enemies why we're separated from him provides a solution for that and in that solution he provides a perfect sacrifice because basically the reason why Jesus had to come was because it was man that sinned. So man had to pay for sin, but only God could live a perfect life. And so we have this God, man, in Jesus that God took on flesh to pay the price for us. And in that is the good news. It, the gospel is good news because we realize we're sinners and separated. Yeah. There is no good news. The reason why for so many people, I think when we try and share the gospel that it doesn't make sense is because we don't, we don't really share the bad news. They don't, they don't understand why they would need good news. If, right. if you just tell people you need Jesus because he has a wonderful plan for your life, what does that do? But if you come to a realization that I'm a sinner separated from God and will be that way for all eternity, what can I do to be saved? That's, that's really you know the question sure. of the Old Testament is how can sinful man be made righteous before mm-hmm. God? How can we yeah. be made right? And Jesus is that answer. And When we come to, and obviously people, the hard part with that is the dead are dead. You know, there's no, he's more dead than someone else. You're dead. You're either dead or you're alive. I
0: mean, like spiritually, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, we're spiritually dead. And even when
1: we're talking about a dead person, you know, we don't ever, you know, you wouldn't ever walk into a morgue and say, well, that guy's really dead. (laughs) I mean, that guy's dead. Mostly dead. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we we just say the dead are dead. And so, and in the same way spiritually, the only way somebody comes to life is that God begins a work in their yeah. life, and but the gospel is the the tool the the power that brings that about that the realization of of our sinfulness before God, and yet there is a way to know God, a provision that mm-hmm. that in jesus death and sacrifice that what're what we 're what we're really putting our faith in is not you know people i think often just say, you know I believe in jesus i 'm putting my faith in Jesus, but what we really mean by that is. That what we're saying is we believe God has provided a way, that I was dead and separated from God and God has provided a way. And that, you know, that's a long way of saying we we often talk through a lot of gospel presentations. We help people refine it and talk through it. Um, But the gospel at its core is very simple. It, It is an outpouring of our the thing that we worship. It is we walk with the Lord so close closely that we can't help but talk about him. And then, you know, as I was preparing, I thought about when I first saw the movie Gladiator. Have mm-hmm. you ever seen Gladiator. I have seen it. Okay, good, because I was going to convince you if you had not.
0: I think I have it on VHS <laughs> at home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's just embarrassing. But so <laughs> <laughs> when we, I remember to this day, I can still clearly remember when we went and saw this movie. I was actually with my in-laws in San Antonio. Uh, we went to the movies for the weekend, and it was, it was the first time that I went to a, it was when big movie theaters were starting to really come out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you had your normal, you'd sit, but this one had the kind of the stadium seating. It wasn't quite IMAX type, but it was a massive movie theater. And I didn't really know much about the movie going into it. I'd seen a few ads here and there, but we were just looking for something to do that weekend. And, and so I remember we had this, we were sitting where there was a bar in front of us so there was nobody else that could pass, you know. Up. And I can remember leaning forward and just being so engaged by the movie and the storyline. It had everything, it had, you know, a general that became a slave that took on the emperor of Rome and oh, I could talk about forever. Yeah. But
0: he took on the slave. He took on the emperor who became the Joker. And so I'm sorry, yeah, I'm yeah, mixed, yeah, you yeah.
1: yeah, okay. mix some movies up there. Okay, so sorry. Um, so they had this incredible movie, and I remember just leaving that movie there and thinking that was the greatest thing I've ever seen, and I was just excited about it. And that week I went to work. I worked at a bank at the time, and I remember talking to all my coworkers about it. To this day. Of, have you seen this movie? And if they hadn't, I was just convincing them of it. You got to go see it. It was so amazing. I mean, it's life changing. It's got everything you need. There's so many great lines. And, um, you know, I was, and I was making an argument for it. And if I, and if I had a guy that told me, ah, I don't really care, I would have, I would have just been shocked because I would have <laughs> thought, well, how could you not want to go see this movie after how amazing it is Then I would have thought there's a problem with him. And, you know, at core, that's, that's the way our walk with the Lord should be. Yeah. That's what it should look like. It shouldn't be something that we have to go home and prepare for every day. But it's just, it's what we're passionate about. Mm-hmm. It's how it should come out in our daily lives and look like it. And I think often, if we, if we take a step back and look, and even, you know, I'm ashamed to say, if I look back over my last week, what are the main things I talked about with other people? I think it reflects what's really important to me. Mm-hmm. And I think if we we take a step back and say what are the things that i really talk about with other people that's probably what matters most to me yeah and you know when you think about when you when you think about the last week or you know this is not confession time but how do you think this (laughs) Uh, (laughs) place
0: how does it look at the time
1: (laughs) yeah how do you think this plays out in your life what does that look like for you
0: yeah um you know, for me, it's, well, it's just like you said, you're, you know, tending to talk about the things that are, that are important. And then, I mean, this week there's, I mean, there are important things, um, you know, dealing with our rapidly changing, um, you know, travel and living situations here and wondering about things, you know, so you kind of get into crisis mode. So there's been a lot of that, mm-hmm. you know, for me and thinking about, Connecting worship to proclamation and in this story, I think about how just again having being rooted in worship helps us have a, a posture of proclamation, so that we're not just saying, "Oh God, I worship You." Therefore, I'm I'm stuck in this country, away from my family, or you know, focusing on what it has cost me. But instead, it, I think it helps us ask, uh, "What do You want of me in this moment?" Hmm what do i need to be what do i need to be to my children who are in a different country to my you know to my mother who's who's in among a very vulnerable segment of population to to other loved ones to those around me to you know having a crew come together to put this service together and um, you know so it's i think helped me have a posture of worship and that's to to move from fear move from the inconvenience and the rapidly changing thing to lord just simply this you know, this is an opportunity you are worthy. How do we how do we represent you well in this situation? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's I think this gives us this great opportunity to be able to speak truth into oh, lives sure. because we worship and we have a peace yeah. in the middle of it because we know there are a lot of people that whether we realize or not that are very scared right now. Mm-hmm. And and being able to see a peace in our life because of the God we worship, you know, yeah. can change lives in that
0: yeah and, and there is fear all around us I was talking with someone a few days ago about how it seems like in the U.S. even before corona there's just a, a fear culture uh, fed by a variety of complex factors but uh, we see it everywhere now yeah. and, you know there's some things to be concerned about we you know want to try to find that balance between being wise being reckless but, but not, just not being bound by fear and I think for me worship really helps you know, give me the posture rooted in the things that are important, yeah. you know, who, the Lord and who he is. And then I can face the inconvenience, the rapid change, the adjustments that that we're all having to make and and the inevitable loss at some level. Yeah. Uh, right now, I don't, I can't think of anyone I know who's confirmed with this illness, but um, I've learned about others <laughs> you know, yeah. in the process. So yeah, it's. Is the, the broken world we live in.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think this passage just kind of reminds us of, you know, not only this incredible act of worship, but just this picture of, I think, this challenge for ourselves as we go about our week, that we're going to speak of the things that are important to us. Hmm. That, that's, that's a natural, it's a, it's a gauge that you can look back over your weeks and you can look back at your life and say, what is most important to me? I, I always think, of, you know, whenever we make a trip back to the States, sports obviously is a huge deal in American culture. And I'm amazed that if if I go to a church to speak or, um, you know, I'm with guys that I don't know very well, that's that's t- typically a common bond, because they all want to talk about sports. And some guys talk much more passionately than others. And, you know, they you can't say a bad word against their team. And they just, you know, they cry with their team. They basically, they almost worship their team. Almost. Uh, <laughs> almost. It's close. Um, but in it, it, you know, there, there, obviously there's a line that moves from being passionate about something to making it an idol. Um, but I'm amazed at how little, even within the church, when we're not together for a corporate worship that we don't talk about God together.
0: Mm.
1: And that really should be what we are. It should sure. be, if we're really understanding God's revelation, understanding who he is, and we're, we're learning how to dedicate our lives and separate our lives and prepare for worship then the natural outcome will be proclamation it will be what we talk about cuz it will become what's most important mm-hmm. in our lives it'll be as important as the new grandbabies and the yeah. children and all those things and we I, speak
0: from the treasure it's, you know that what we treasure
1: it just yeah, finds expression
0: in, in yeah. what we say yeah choices we make yeah it's good
1: yeah and, and as I was preparing i just kept thinking is this what my kids see in me is this mm-hmm. you know would they say oh, all my dad ever talks about is jesus i don't think they would i mean for me, because I'm in mean, finance, they probably say all he talks about is money, spreadsheets, money. Which yeah. may not be the best. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not. I talk about it in the proper perspective, but you know, I, I don't want that to be what they say. I mean, I'd rather yeah. them someday complain to a college roommate that, well, I'll call my dad, but I know what he's going to say. He's going to talk about <laughs> Jesus, and I mean, I would love that be the testimony of my kids and and my neighbors and friends and coworkers. Mm. I would love for somebody to complain that he talks too much about the Lord. And, I mean, it, I think that would be a reflection of the way I worship. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I kind of, just as we wrap up, um, before I kind of close in prayer, that, that would be my challenge as we think through this week. Okay. And as we, we interact now, obviously our interactions are going to be smaller. Yeah. You know, we're not going to come into the same amount of people as we would. We're not going to be able to gather corporately.
0: But there are options like with WhatsApp and, I mean, a lot of social media. Yeah. ways that we can't communicate with one another. So, yeah, and that's and the, that's, we that's live that's in a day something.
1: and age where we probably yeah. are as connected with people as in ever in human history, even when we don't see them face to face. You know, we still are very connected with people. Yeah. And I think that, that would be the, kind of the challenge to think through is, is my worship causing me to act differently, to speak differently, to live mm-hmm. differently? Is it causing me to, to give up things, the cost of worship, because he is more worthy of those things? And you know, I, I think as we move into the season of these next couple weeks, as we try and figure this out as a, as a church, what this is going to look like. You know, my, my challenge to everyone would be that they they find a way to to worship, not because they're together, but because God is worthy of that, that they find a way to to spend time in God's word, either individually, daily, I hope prayerfully or as a family or maybe with one or two other families. Um, in a very careful I mean we, we want to honor the social separation for a reason um, but to to be able to, to spend time in God's word to prepare for that moment not to just come into it flippantly but to actually prepare our hearts and to separate ourselves from the distractions and then to really see that God is worthy of the cost of true worship and then I, I hope and pray that through this it will change the way we live when we walk because really I think the true test of worship is not when we're together. It's not a worship service. It's not a quiet time. It's not our time in the Bible. But it's how it affects when we walk out of our doors, mm-hmm. how we live our lives. And so I think that the, is the real reflection of what kind of worship we're giving to the yeah. Lord.
0: That's yeah, good.
1: So what I, I'd, I'd like to just kind of close this. Thank you, Preston. I think sure. it, it works a lot you know, easier to instead of just staring at a camera and teaching through. A passage, but be actually talk with someone and yeah. hear their thoughts. So thank you for being able to do this with me this morning. Well, thank
0: you for opening the word to us on behalf of all of us who are listening. So yeah, yeah. if you'll pray for us. Let me pray for us. Yeah.
1: Father, I thank you for uh, the incredible privilege of technology uh, or to be able to uh, open your word together, even though we are separated by distance as a people and as a church, but that your church can still gather all over the world. And it may look different over the next couple of weeks or months, but Lord, I, I just pray that you are pleased with the time that we spend, whether it be through technology um, or through other ways and means, Lord. I pray that we would become have a much deeper understanding of who you are and that we would prepare our hearts and our minds to spend time with you and not take it flippantly, not come to you like you're just somebody on the street. Uh, but that you are the creator of the universe. I pray, Lord, that we would separate ourselves from distractions and the things that would take our mind away from you. And, Lord, that we would find you worthy of our lives. We would find you worthy of the struggle that comes with worship, the struggle that comes with living a righteous life before you. And in the end, Lord, I pray that our lives will look very different to our neighbors and friends and family uh, and everyone we come in contact. Lord, I pray that we would be so madly in love with you that it would just be natural for it to just spill out of us. Lord, you are worthy of those kind of lives. And I pray, Father, that we will live lives worthy of knowing you. I do pray just for this time, uh, Lord, that you would bring peace and that your, that your people would be a light in a very dark world. Thank you, Father, that you are in control and we can rest in that. And I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you've brought us out of darkness for a purpose. Mm-hmm. May we live lives worthy of knowing you. We love you, Lord, and pray this in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. As we conclude, again, just want to thank you for joining us and being part of of our our Bible study worship experience this morning. Just know that the situation does continue to change daily. And do please uh, check the church's Facebook page and website for further developments about next week. Um, That's all we know to say at this point. Do... Know also that, that out of, as we've discussed this morning, out of worship uh, will come perhaps opportunities. Uh, your neighbors may be more reluctant to speak to you. They may be more open than usual. So just uh, as you um, go through your week, pray that the Lord will help you have the posture of not only worship, but also proclamation of just seeing this as an opportunity in which the Lord is perhaps removing some things from us and yet bringing us to a place of, of usefulness to Him. Uh, For those around us. So thank you again for joining us. Okay. God bless.